The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. I'm sick of listening to my boss telling me How I am always late and how he wants to fire me Don't want to hear about how I need to change my ways Don't want to hear about what you really think Hi everyone, welcome to the Stage Door Show tonight, this is Dave Hondell. So happy to have my guest on tonight. You've seen him in Rookie of the Year, uh, Walt before Mickey, the American Pie movie franchise, and he's starring in a new series entitled Underdeveloped on some of the streaming platforms, and he also has a band called the Thomas Nicholas Band. Uh, so let's bring him in right now. So welcome to the show, Thomas Nicholas. How are you? I'm great, thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, it's our pleasure to have you on, uh, Thomas. And, you know, I know as I spoke about in the intro, you know, you've been in uh, a lot of different, you know, movies like Rookie of the Year and the American Pie franchise and uh, Adverse and some others. And, uh, you know, but I really want to start with your music uh, because I'm just I'm so impressed with your music. And, uh, you know, I know you have um, a seventh album coming up, which I think is amazing. And one of your songs, My Generation, was also featured and American Reunion. Uh, so uh, talk about this new album coming up and what we can expect from that, because I think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. we um, we, It's kind of crazy. It's one of those things where I got my first like sort of offer on a record deal. You know, it only took me seven albums. Uh, everything else has been DIY, though I haven't signed it yet. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I just know that I was considering working with a few different people to produce it and my buddy taylor carroll who plays drums for lit and he's also the lead singer for Amazing. chemical fire yeah. um he he wanted to throw his his uh name into the hat and i gladly did we've been talking about writing for a while and i'd already done some collabs with Jarrett reddick from bowling for soup for the album and with ace enders from the early november and my best friend the mac the mac kennedy mac kennedy from the dangerous summer uh, so we went into the studio last week, just kind of doing a test run to see how it was going to go. And six hours later, we had this song that is probably one of the favorite songs that I've ever written. And I just think this thing's going to, I don't know what it's going to do, but I'm, I'm excited for people to hear it. Everyone that's heard it so far has listened to it multiple times in a row because it's just so catchy and feels so good. I already, so you are premiering it here. Yes, we are. Later in the show or now or whatever you want to play it. Uh, but uh, I I did press play on it in Chicago just at a live event. I was doing emo night there in, in conjunction with Riot Fest and the crowd was into it, man. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see what this thing's going to do. So I think our plan is to drop the song right around the same time as Blink-182. I didn't plan that, but. It's in the same vein, and we're doing um, a couple. I'm doing a couple sideshows for when we were young in Vegas at the Brooklyn Bowl. So I was like, let's just launch it around then. Why not? Yeah, 
Yeah, I know timing's important, uh, but you know, this song is, to me, is timeless, and the song's called Tomorrow's Gonna Hurt, and I listened to it so many times after you sent it to me today, and I just have to tell you, man, your voice is incredible, uh, you know, the vibe of the song's incredible, and I just want my listeners to know that there's more to you uh, than just being a great actor, producer, director. Uh, you also have a, you know, a, a great musical talent and a great band. And again, you're on your seventh album, which is just incredible to me. So that brings me to my next question. When did music become serious for you? Because I know, you know, you were acting at a young age and, you know, was music in, in that mix as well. And, you know, I, and it also was music for you. Uh, with all the other things that you do and the grind of being, you know, um, producer, director, actor. I mean, is this something that that uh, gives you great release creating music? You know, for me, I started playing guitar when I was about 14. It was a couple years after Rookie of the Year and right around the time that that, you know, the grunge scene was was huge. I was in junior high school, so that was all I was listening to and what kind of inspired me into it. And I would say the the precipice was, you know, when Kurt Cobain died, I watched this kid um, in my class. He did like a week of silence. And this was a kid who was, he was in a band. So he was like this cool kid, but he was always in trouble. He always had bad grades. He stood for nothing. He didn't care. And then this happened and he had a, a week of silence and he got sent to the principal's office every day. And it was just sort of this realization. I mean, one of those realizations that you get afterward, but I realized looking back that I saw the power of music and I knew what music meant to me, but I saw that it could affect someone so much. And, you know, people are affected by movies, but not the same like they are from music. And, and from that point forward, I just, I, I probably, I probably played the guitar like three hours a day for two years from that point forward. And for me, it's something that I've been doing in conjunction. And when people see or hear, see me play, or they, they hear my music, they think like, oh, you, you stopped acting? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> they hear that I produced a movie. They're like, oh, so you stopped music and you stopped acting? You're just, no, I'm just doing all things, all things that are creative. And I just want to spend my time creating and, and entertaining and offering an escape to anyone, you know, if my escape works for you, cool. If it doesn't, I hope you find a different way to find your escape and and enjoy the art that uh, that other people have created. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, you know, Thomas, the biggest base of listeners that we have are independent artists themselves. Uh, and, you know, whenever we have, you know, a successful actor, singer, uh, and anybody in, you know, the entertainment world that comes onto our show, and you know they're self-made um you know it's i think it's inspiring to our listeners and uh you know they give us a lot of feedback after each uh, show and obviously you know marketing is a, is a big deal when it comes to being an indie artist and you know being an actor yourself you know obviously doesn't hurt but at the same time you still have to market yourself uh you know for people to hear your music and doing shows like this and so forth. Uh, but as far as marketing goes, you know, how important is marketing when you're an indie artist and, and how did you market yourself? I mean, I think I'm only probably just realizing that all my efforts toward what I wanted to achieve in music uh, were kind of built on a false promise. And I've, I've, I came to terms with that 
probably like five years ago, but it's really sort of like I'm understanding it more. And what I mean by that is I even just saw like, a, I don't know, a, a, a video from a director saying he thought once he directed like his first big thing, the, the Calvary was going to come in and like just offer him everything and, and his everything was going to be taken care of. You just have a free ride from that point. But the truth of it is, is that you're you're your own Calvary. So whatever you're doing to market yourself, it has to be about what you believe in. And and so it's not about how well you market yourself, but how much you believe in what you're marketing. Um, And and so it's not even about I have no like advice on like how I've done it, because some things have worked, some things didn't, you know, being my acting career, it helps me sometimes get the get my foot in the door but then i've watched you know band promoters lean on it too hard and it doesn't translate to a music audience arriving for the show and then they're confused and i'm like well yeah i i i, I told you not to like lead with that cuz you're just going to i don't know beat people over the head with the wrong stick um and so now i've i've found a way to kind of point out the elephant in the room and that's what i did with my 2017 my my sixth album so i guess it's been a while since i've done an album i did a bunch of singles in between um there so don't think i was like giving up on anything i did like nine singles uh mainly during the time when we were locked in our own homes right uh, but i i tore i mean the the touring with with the the frat party album and again so that that was i got offered this tour over in the uk uh, playing universities and now they don't have um fraternities there so they have what's called uh freshers week oh okay so freshers week do you know are you familiar with it no i'm not actually so obviously the drinking age in the uk is 18 yeah college universities are 18 so our campus is in the states and in you know in canada like there's no bars on the campus so no one hangs out for the concerts on campus it's different there everybody hangs out on campus because they can drink there right and so um they they wanted me to do this this tour for these universities and the freshers week is where the universities say hey we want all the freshmen to get an opportunity to hang out for an entire week and get to know one another on a social level so they get these passes where it's like you know 100 bucks and they can go to every event that week the entire freshman grade they wanted me to play these things but they're like listen you're going to need to play 70% covers. And I was like, lad, you know, we're not a cover band. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not interested. Right. And they said, well, these are legitimate. And when I say legit venues, I mean, they're like decked out to the nines, like trussing, lighting, wow. you know, yeah. 2000 cap rooms. And not a dive bar, right? Yeah. Not a dive bar. They're like the, the club gig that you like wish you could have as a band. Right. And I wished I could have as a band. I looked at these pictures and I was like 2000 cap room guaranteed sold out because it's freshers week i was like okay well do i get to pick my own covers yeah and so to make it make sense i started picking all my favorite songs from the american pie movies oh yeah thus thus was born stifler's mom instead of stacy's <laughs> stacy's mom that's amazing and in recent times you know i've even gone so far as to uh record 1999 which is the parody of bowling for soups 1985. to score you can never give 
sex before Jim stuck on second base Till apple pie replaced Bumpin' just so refined Oz the lacrosse guy Stifler's feeling frail From the pale ale Vicky wants I love you Kevin's not so sure Jeff says that it's just sex Not a launch of the space shuttle So we tell the story of American Pie in three minutes. But the crazy part about that is I think and and somebody, please, if you're seeing this, you hear this and I'm wrong and you can think of someone else, please let me know. So I stop touting this untruth. But I think or at least in my mind, I'm the only artist to do a parody of a band, but write it with the band and record it with the band that I'm doing the parody. of. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, that's amazing, by the way. You know, I have to ask you about. Uh, the song My Generation, uh, because I know you obviously you've been in all the American Pie franchise movies, but um, how did you get that song actually um, in the movie on the soundtrack? What was that process like? This is kind of like almost apropos because when you if you've seen Underdeveloped, which is streaming on Tubi and yep. Freebie and Prime, we play producers that are, you know, failed producers all forced to work together. And we are failures. I mean, we we are practically going to get fired at every turn. There's, you know, nepotism, favoritism, um, you know, inequality of pay. And it's similar to how when I did my first album, I booked American Pie. And I so I asked the producers, hey, can I put a song in the soundtrack? They're like, yeah, no problem. But then like the music supervisor, like cut me off at the pass. And so oh, it yeah. didn't happen. And that happened every time I did an Politics. album, yeah, every time I did an American Pie <laughs> film yeah, yeah. to the point where when I did the last one, I just was like, okay, I'm not asking them for this favor. <laughs> they're going to tell me yes, because they want me to be happy on set. Right. They're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. So I got more. And this is this is something for you DIY artists. The definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah. You know, if you're going out there and you're like recording this song and marketing in this way and you're not and you and you want to achieve something and you're not achieving it you gotta you gotta flip the script yeah so what i did was i was like okay that's not working i've done it for three films it's not working i can't ask for the favor so i was i, I was like finding out when the rap party was going to be so i found i said hey where's the rap party venue they're like oh we don't know so i found a venue that was close by where everyone was staying and it had a, like a uh, a stage on the third level of the upstairs and so i was like i kind of like finagled into like i'm gonna book a gig maybe on the same night as the as the the rap party yeah, yeah. and then as it turned out they didn't have a venue and they liked the venue that i showed them so then they booked that venue where i was already booked to play <laughs> the same night so i was it like yes <laughs> so i played a show for the whole cast and crew and when i went to the bar to get a drink one of the directors came up to me. It was Hayden. He goes, "Yeah, oh, man, you're actually like pretty good." You know, I'm my <laughs> my joke is he told me I didn't suck. So he's like, you know, uh, he's like, "Do you think you could do like a cover of a song for the soundtrack? Like, like could you do a cover of Lit?" 
Yeah. Um, you know, if we wanted your band to do it. And I and I knew what that meant. That basically meant, oh, in case lit's too expensive for the master <laughs> yeah. use license, you want to pay me less <laughs> yeah. money. But I was like, I'm down, I could cover lit. Yeah. Uh and so I I I did a cover, I recorded a cover of uh James Band Laid. And so um I like pitched that to them. And then I was like, okay, just let me know. They're like, oh, we're gonna go with the original. I'm like, just let me know what you want me to do. I can do anything. And then they picked my generation off of my like self-titled EP and they put it in the bar scene when Stifler sticks his fingers in my mouth. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, and I was like, oh wow. They went from asking for a cover to asking for yours. one of my originals, and then they <laughs> yeah. put it on the soundtrack album. So very cool. Wow. It was, you know, 13 years coming, but uh I didn't give up on it. I love that story. Uh, you know, I also want to talk about underdeveloped, and I sp- you spoke about that a little while ago, but um I went on to Tubi and watched it, and I just just amazing. I love it. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the office and although it's it's more unique than the office uh, a little bit different but it's still in the same vein where you follow your coworkers around and uh you know there's maybe a leader that shouldn't be a leader uh and you know just a great production i really enjoyed it um i also understand that the production received a waiver from sag aftra because the production was actually paying the actors what is being asked for in the strike am i right about that no, you're correct. We we agreed to all of SAG's terms that they they didn't get from the AMPTP um, in order to move forward and release during the strike. And you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, we I'm we're we're very very thankful that the show was was able to come out. And you know, while the strike is happening, and I I side with all the actors, we clearly don't want to also destroy entertainment industry in the process of right. getting the people that are working fair wages. And I think this is kind of like a more of a, you know, corporate versus workers and all facets of, of in every industry, not just the entertainment industry. I think we're the only ones that are getting all the publicity, right? But this is happening, you know, across the board where life's more expensive and, you know, people aren't being paid enough to pay for life. That's more expensive. Exactly. You know, and, and, uh, and just to our listeners, I know a lot of struggling actors and and, and singers out there, and uh, you know um, a lot of a lot of people suffering right now, and because of the strike. Um, and you know, I just I just think that if a production like uh, you know underdeveloped can take care of their actors and crew, uh, you know, I think that other productions can as well. I think it's great that your show is taking care of people like that. And, you know, it's, it's, it makes it plausible for other productions to do the same. So I think everybody should just get back to the table and see if we can end this thing sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, obviously we, yeah, I, I, I would like this thing to just be over with and everyone to kind of, uh, come to the table. That would be, that would be awesome. But it's, it's kind of apropos that we would have a show come out that's making fun of the industry while the industry is in its greatest turmoil, like the yeah. irony is not lost on me. Well, Brian A. Metcalf, the creator of the show, and of course yourself, uh, Tom Arnold, uh, David Keckner, Kelly Argent. I mean, there's a lot of great people in this cast. And, you know, I, like I said, I went on to Tubi and I, uh, I watched the show. I really enjoy it. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the success of the show and, uh, looking forward to, you know, multiple seasons to come out. Yeah. Well, the first season is, uh, is six episodes in total. So I think there's four on Tubi right now and just the pilots on Freebie and, uh, and prime. 
And just for anyone that's like going, well, I don't know about like watching an industry thing. It's not just for like people in the industry. It's not inside baseball. You once you see these characters going through what they're going through, it's it's more about the characters and their struggles and poking fun at the things that exist in all workplaces. So it's more of a workplace comedy like the obvious. I mean, look, did you understand anything about selling paper? No, but the <laughs> office was still funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the show is just very relatable. I think we can all relate to, uh, you know, having coworkers that, you know, we don't always get along with. And, uh, you know, I just, I love the cast, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of David Koechner. I've always liked his work and of course yours and, um, everybody on the cast. Just, I think it was well, well done. Uh, episode two, my son is in the show playing Tom Arnold's son. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's your son. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's kind of following in my footsteps. Nolan River is his name. He starred in M. Night's last movie, Old, uh, oh, that okay. we they shot in the Dominican Republic. He's the main kid on that movie. Really? On the beach, they all get old. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, you know, and, and also as a child actor um, yourself growing up, did you ever imagine that your career would be where it is right now and, and having the success that you've had over the years? I mean, my my whole thing and why I started in the first place is I just love the moments of being on set and creating. Yeah. And so that's the thing that always keeps me in and draws me back. So uh, I no, I didn't know that, you know, that all these other things would happen or there would be success or or any kind of recognition for that. The only thing I can ever think about and I still think about it, is how do I get back to the set again? And it's kind of like working on this album with Taylor. I just love getting into the studio and, you know, coming out with a song. Um, and so, you know, I just love the, the process of creating is my driving force always. Hey, it's Dave from The Stage Door Show. Have you ever wanted a digital business card that would speak for you? Well, let me introduce you to Talking V Card. Imagine this. A business card that doesn't just sit in somebody's wallet, but actively introduces you, shares your latest work, or even a special message. That's what Talking V Card is all about. It's modern, environmentally friendly, and has been an absolute game changer for networking in this digital age. Now here's the most exciting part. For a limited time, you can get lifetime ownership of your very own Talking V Card for only $99. Plus, to ensure you're maximizing its potential, they're offering a free consultation to help supercharge your brand. As many of you know, Talking V-Card is a proud VIP sponsor of our show, and I've been using it personally. The feedback has been absolutely amazing. For everyone tuned in right now, if you're looking to make a lasting impression and elevate your brand, I genuinely recommend giving Talking V-Card a try. There's a unique link on our show notes that'll take you straight there. And remember, maybe the next voice somebody hears from a digital card will be yours. Stay creative and stay connected. Talking V-Card. And before we go, Thomas, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everybody. And um, do you know what I'm going to ask you? No, no, I don't know. I feel I feel the pressure of yeah. having a good answer compared <laughs> to your other guests. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, in the twilight of your career, down years down the road, uh, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to think of when they think of Thomas Nicholas? You know, my my goal um, as an actor has always been to be a character lead, um, to lose myself so much into the role that 
I'm not distracting from, from, from the story that, uh, to the point where, and, and probably sometimes to my own detriment, um, have I, have I worked toward achieving this to the point where people are still figuring out that I'm the same actor from this job and that job. Um, you know, but that's my, my legacy, I think would just be, um, versatility and and ultimately just the the escape of entertainment i mean just i know that sounds like a broad stroke but i i sacrifice a lot in my life like from you know missing events or birthdays or this that and the other but for the sake of providing that entertainment so um i don't you know doing that is its own is is its own thank you so i don't need to be like thanks for that but that's that's just what i live for so that but i guess from a legacy standpoint it would be versatility from you know playing different characters that you you're figuring out were the same person or that was it was me or the music and the producing like just you know renaissance yeah that makes a complete sense and it's well said uh, you know, so thank you so much, Thomas, for taking the time to join us on the Stage Door Show tonight. Uh, really, our pleasure to have you on, and nothing but continued success for your future. And now we want to play your world premiere of Tomorrow's Gonna Hurt. And thank you so much for premiering it. And uh, it'll, like I said, it'll be out not for another month, so you're getting it a whole month early. And thank you again for letting us uh, premiere this for you. And uh, that's Thomas Nicholas, and here is Tomorrow's Gonna Hurt.
just don't